Okay. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about the clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of God. Thanks very much. Um, If you can keep your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6 as we start this new series. We're going to go through sort of the big things that people are concerned about in Hong Kong. Um, ambition, uh, children education, children's education, uh, resting, fam- being family, um, being rich, um, all those topics. And so uh, it's, uh, um, the, the, the series uh, is there. And if you want to study ahead, uh, that's there on the bulletin. But as we come to this text, uh, let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that you are a God who loves us, um, who cares for us, that you are our Father, that we've been adopted into your family through your Son, Jesus. And we thank you for your care, and we pray that now that you'd send uh, and fill us with your Spirit uh, and speak to us uh, that we might be shaped uh, into people who can seek your kingdom first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're a foreigner in Hong Kong living here, uh, your ambition might have brought you to Hong Kong. I remember meeting a young American lawyer a a while ago who worked in one of these big international uh, law firms. I asked him why he came to Hong Kong, and he told me it was because where he was from, L.A., was a bit boring. It's a bit slow. Uh, Things weren't happening there, and Hong Kong is where things are happening, and so he wanted to come and make a name for himself. I mean, you don't have to be a foreigner. Actually, people are driven by their ambition to achieve something uh, everywhere. And I'm sure many of you are driven by your own ambition. But ambition isn't something that's sort of limited to young adults, people in their 20s. Yes, people settle into their careers. Yes, people, they sort of go on with their work. But ambition... Is an ambition part of the reason why people have midlife crisis? <laughs> As they sit back and they think about uh, themselves and they ask, what have I achieved? What was my life really about? What have I done with my life? They ask, um, uh, they question whether their ambition was the right one and they've done enough to achieve their ambition. And actually, this is a question that people ask themselves as they die. As they, at the end of their lives, as they take uh, account of their life, did I achieve enough? 
Did I do the right things with my life? And today's text really is about ambition. Yes, it is at first about worrying. But it isn't just about that. Take a look at the connection that Jesus makes in, this, uh, in verses 31 and 32. He says, do not, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He at first says, don't worry about these things, but, make, uh, but then he makes the connection between worrying and what people are pursuing. What they are seeking for the pagans run after these things. Actually, uh, Frankie has disappeared, but I, I think it, this stopped working. Um, could somebody click to the next, <laughs> next slide, please? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, PC. Uh, do not worry about these things, he says, but he makes the connection with seeking because pagans run after these things, he says. They worry about these things because they are pursuing these things. Isn't that true? What you worry about most is determined by what you really are pursuing in your life. If you worry about your grades, it's because you're pursuing a good grade. If you worry about your children, it's because you seek after the well-being of your children. If you worry about your job, it's because you want success in your job. God here wants us to have the right ambition. And he wants us to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first in uh, verses 33. But he wants us to think about our worries because our worries, the things, the things other than his, his kingdom and his righteousness, they get in the way of pursuing the right ambition, having the right ambition. So think about that. What are you ambitious about? And if you don't know, think about what do you worry about the most? If you can go to the next slide, please. Jesus here mentions a few things in uh, verses 25. What we will eat, drink, and wear. And you might think, well, I'm beyond worrying about these things, these basic things. But how much time have you spent on looking through open rice reviews, finding the perfect restaurant, best place to... uh, best places to eat? Have you taken pictures of the food that you've eaten and posted it on Facebook and Instagram? How about things that you will drink? Um, Is your idea of good life, drinking great wine from France and scotch uh, from, uh, from Scotland, Hong Kong is a great place for foodies. There are many great restaurants and so many different kinds of food that are available to you, and that's a great thing. But It becomes bad when you start associating, when you start thinking that good life is about these things. Good life is having the perfect food, going, being able to go to good restaurants and enjoy good food. And you sit back and you start thinking to to yourself, this is what life is about. When you reduce good life to food that you are eating, oh, good life. Uh, Isn't your life more than this? If you can go to the next slide. How about your worries about the things that you will wear? For most of us, our basic needs are met, but we've taken this sort of worry to the next level, haven't we? We worry about what sort of message our clothes will send to other people. So we gather up, we, we gear up in the right way with the right shirts and coats and shoes and handbags, watches, phones, or even cars. Don't we worry about what we will wear often too much? 
Uh, next slide. I think that if we, uh, uh, were, uh, if Jesus was uh, speaking to uh, Hong Kongers today, I think he might mention maybe a slightly different set of worries as well. We in Hong Kong worry about housing prices, whether we'll be able to afford to live in such uh, in the city. Actually. When we worry about housing, it's often not for ourselves because, you know, you were able to maybe buy something when it was more affordable. You worry about your children. How will they be able to afford a house in this city in the future? Actually, that's why we worry about our children's grades, I think. Grades, uh, performance in the school. We worry that, uh, that they uh, need to get to the right university, study the right subjects, get the right jobs so that they will be, be able to afford a good house in the future. So they could start the whole cycle of worrying about uh, the thing all over again. Really, have we gone past worrying about what we will eat and drink at where? The next slide, please. The problem with all these things is not that we shouldn't think about them at all, but that they distract us from having the right ambition. It makes us ambitious about money, ambitious about success and status, not God's kingdom and his righteousness. It reduces our life to these trivial things. It makes us beasts of burden who do not think about the important things of our life, who do not think about what we are really made for. These worries need to be pushed aside if we are to have, if we're able to have the right ambition for our life. Next, please. Jesus here then gives us reasons not to worry about why uh, why we're not we shouldn't why uh, we don't have to worry about these things. And uh, uh, just so you know, I'm going to borrow heavily from um, John Stott's uh, commentary on Sermon on the Mount. If you don't have a copy, this is a great commentary. Um, he, he says things um, there that I thought, well, I mean, I can't say anything other than this in the sermon. So um, if, you, uh, if this is unclear, do pick up a copy of that commentary. Uh, Jesus says, don't worry about these things in verse 27, in John Stott's words, because these things are unproductive, unproductive. You can't add a single hour to your life by worrying, can you? Worrying about your health actually does the opposite. It makes your health even worse. Worrying about, um, uh, about what you will eat and wear and drink uh, does not produce food. Worrying about the mistakes you, you've made in, in, your, in your workplace or about which school your children will go end up in the future won't change the future. Get on with life because worrying is unproductive. He also gives us another reason in verse 25. It's unworthy. And it's a little bit of what I've alluded to. Isn't your life, isn't your life uh, uh, more than these? We don't just live to live. If these worries occupy, uh, uh, occupy us, we're reducing our, uh, ourselves to the level of animals and, and, and birds and plants. I love watching BBC uh, nature documentaries, but the overwhelming message of these shows is that even though these animals are incredibly majestic and complicated and complex, they worry about two things, what to eat and how to reproduce. And if our life is occupied with these things only, we are reducing ourselves. This is unworthy of us, unworthy of human beings who are made for great things, people who are made in the image of God. It's unworthy. And finally, most importantly, 
Jesus tells us not to worry about these things because it's unnecessary. Verse 26, verses 28 through 30. We don't have to worry about these things because we have a loving, we have a loving Father, Jesus says. God takes care of the birds of the air. Our Heavenly Father values us more than these. God clothes the lilies of the field that's alive today will be thrown away tomorrow. Won't God clothe us? Verse 32, Our Heavenly Father knows that we need them already. He promises to provide for us already. Our worries can't add a single hour to our life, but God, our Heavenly Father, can. He is powerful. He can add life to your life. And He is our loving Father. Birds of the air, lilies of the, of the field, number of, of our breath are all um, are controlled by our loving Father. We don't have to worry if we trust in the goodness of our Father. And our worries betrayed our lack of trust in the goodness of our Father. Uh, but before we go on, let me tell you what this passage also is not about. Trusting in our Father doesn't mean that we're exempt from working. It sounds spiritual to say, oh, I don't work because I know that God will provide for me. My Father will provide for me. But this is what uh, Paul said to those who had stopped working in his day in Second Thessalonians 3.10. Anyone who is unwilling to work shall not eat. That was his instruction. The assurance that God will take care of us is not a license to be lazy. Jesus uses birds of the air um, and, and flowers as an example for a reason. Consider the birds. Think about the birds. Think about how God provides for the birds. How does God provide? Well, one answer is that they, they feed themselves. They go on searching for food early in the morning. They go uh, hunt. They some uh, look for uh, 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 carrions, dead things. God feeds them all, but by by providing uh, providing them with the natural ability to hunt, to look for food themselves, flowers themselves. I mean, flowers. Think about how they clothe themselves. It's because uh, through uh, this miraculous process of photosynthesis, gathering energy from light and, and, and nutrients from air and soil, God provides. But we ought to cooperate and do our part. So we work as teachers and lawyers and doctors and domestic helpers and mothers and whatever it is. We work. Here we're told not to worry as we work. Not that we should stop working. Not to worry as we work. You might ask also that if God is this loving Father, how is it that there are so many starving children in this world? Starving people. And I think this is a very complicated question and that requires a complicated answer that I can't give um, in this uh, sermon. But I must mention that one way that God provides for His people is through the church. It's no accident that the Gospel of Matthew, uh, this Gospel, where this uh, Sermon on the Mount is from, also is the Gospel that contains one of the most famous passages about church's responsibility. Matthew 25, Jesus there identifies with the poor and tells us that he would judge us partly by how we have treated the poor. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. 
I don't think we as Christians should be able to say that God does not provide for his children when we don't share what God has given us to those uh, who need him. Finally, I want to warn that this passage also doesn't mean that having a good and loving father doesn't mean that we won't face any troubles in the future. There will be times when we lose jobs. There will be times, maybe, for some of us who, who won't know where to go, uh, where to, what to eat next. There will be times when we experience accidents and troubles in our life. But what this is saying, if we take Jesus' words seriously, this means that God knows about those troubles. God allows for them. And that in and through them, God says, I will take care of you. God is calling us to trust in his goodness in the troubled times. If God takes care of the birds and the flowers, God will take care of you, is what this passage says. So I hope you are able to put aside your worries, your selfish ambitions. Be freed from these worries and burdens. And what would you do then if you didn't have to worry about yourself? What would you do if you didn't have to worry about your children? Would you seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first? Because that is the big question. Don't worry about these things, these things because to, so that you could seek after his kingdom. Would you raise your children to seek God's kingdom first? I suppose uh, for some, this would mean, I think, um, going into full-time ministry. Not that many younger people are here today uh, at at the 930 service, but I hope some of this means that uh, the young people will go into full-time ministry. Uh, Being a pastor, being a missionary, to go out. You know, Paul had this great ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, Romans 15, 20. His ambition was to bring the gospel to people who have not heard it, and there's still plenty of people in this world who have not yet heard the gospel. Are we ambitious about that? Are we having that godly ambition to go out? Maybe some of you, uh, or maybe God has called you to switch uh, your, your, uh, your vocation. Are we listening to that voice? Our worries about the future, what we will drink or eat, Our idols of selfish ambitions, our worries about our children should not keep us from obeying. Pagans live for these things, Jesus says. But our Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Seek his kingdom. For most, however, I think this might mean staying. This this probably is staying in your jobs. But seeking God's kingdom there in your jobs, seeking God's kingdom and righteousness means bringing the lordship of Jesus Christ into your workplace. In many ways, uh, this, I think, is uh, some ways harder uh, than going out and doing something like uh, my job which I get to work with lovely people who, uh, you know, nice people who are nice to me. But in your workplace, I know that if you mention Jesus, you might be belittled. You might be persecuted. You might not get the promotion, whatever it is. Uh, but are we seeking God's kingdom in our workplaces? 
as I was discussing uh, this with uh, uh, somebody who was baptized uh, a few uh, weeks back, Alex, who works in Polytech uh, University, he told me that, uh, what does it mean? I asked him, what does it mean for you to work and seek God's kingdom there? And he told me that he would worry less about tenure and publication. He wouldn't just publish to be published. That he would think more serious about his calling in the field itself. And take on projects that he thinks are actually important, that will actually make a difference in his field. He's talking about doing good in the workplace. I think that is a calling that we are to do. We are to do good in our respective fields. It also might mean that you spending more time with your juniors, mentoring your juniors, not expecting anything in return. Somebody told me that's how he pursues that kingdom in his uh, workplace. It might mean uh, sometimes being a good colleague and taking on extra responsibility and staying after so that others can go home. It might actually mean you sometimes leaving early and actually showing that you don't actually work for your manager, but that you work for God in your workplace. It might mean bringing the gospel to your professional relationships. I know that's difficult to do, but we are to seek God's kingdom first. Which worries stop you from seeking God's kingdom in your workplace? What are you worried about there? And if you're unemployed, don't worry. Seek God's kingdom now first in your situation. Look for a job, of course. Go on, look for a job. But you have that extra time and extra energy. Use it for your kingdom now. Seek God's kingdom. How about at homes? How would it change if you're seeking God's kingdom at homes, in your relationships, with your spouse, with your parents, with your siblings? How would it change the way that you bring up your children? How would it change the way that you spend your free time and energy and money? I think about single people also, how they have a distinct advantage in doing this. I know that many people, many single people, just sit there and worry about, who will I marry? This is what that's what occupies their minds. Seek God's kingdom first. Recently, a friend of mine posted a a question on uh, Facebook. I thought it was quite a good question. What do you do that is not about you? I thought uh, a better question might be, what do you do that is about God's kingdom and his righteousness? And is it at the heart of who you are and what you do? When the word ambition is mentioned in the Bible, it's uh, usually coupled with a negative uh, adjective, selfish ambition, usually. Desiring to achieve uh, greatness, personal success, or fame should not be done, of course, but uh, and we have to watch our ambition, but we can't be too ambitious for God. And this is what John Stott says. Ambition for God, however, if they are to be worthy, can never be modest. There's something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. How can we ever be content that he should acquire just a little bit, a little more of a more honor in this world? No. Once we are clear that God is king, then we long to see him crowned with glory and honor and accorded his true place, which is the supreme place. We become ambitious for the spread of his kingdom and righteousness everywhere. Are we ambitious for God's kingdom? Are we just satisfied? Hong Kong is a city driven by many people's ambition. As followers of Jesus, let's be ambitious for him about his kingdom, his righteousness. But finally, I want to end with the thought about why we have this luxury of not having to worry about life and are free to pursue the kingdom. Uh, you might have heard of this little song, um, 
I'll read it to you. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and for me. Um, and I love what John Stott says about this uh, thing, this little uh, uh, song with this characteristic clarity. He says, It is a delightful sentiment, yet not a strictly accurate reflection of the teachings of Jesus. For he did not say that the birds have a heavenly father, but rather that we have. And that if the Creator cares for his creatures, we may be even more sure that the Father will look after his children. You see, he's absolutely right. We are different from the creatures in this world, not only because we're made in his image, but we can, because he has made us, uh, he's adopted us into his family, and we can call God our Father. We Christians alone can do this, and think about what that meant, how we can come to call God our Father, Father. This privilege didn't come cheaply. It came through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. God sent his son to die for us. He paid for our sins so that we might be adopted into his family. So consider the birds. Think about them. Consider the lilies in the field. Think about them and how God takes care of them. And then think about what God has done for us. He sent his son to die for us. Won't he take care of us? So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are such a good and loving Father, that you are good to us. And we thank you that even as we forget, you remind us that you sent your son Jesus to die for us and adopted us into your family. Help us to set aside our worries. Help us to set aside our petty and selfish ambition. Help us to seek your kingdom first, your righteousness first, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our relationships, in all that we do. May our life be about you. And may great glory and honor come to you as we live our lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.